of Breaking Mayberry, the show that allows you to hear some other human voices for the first time in six weeks. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I'm that other host, I'm Dan. You can pretend like you're listening to people having a conversation in your office, or, you know, in the room next to you. Maybe maybe you can hear your neighbors talking through the walls. It's me. It's me and Dan. We're here for you. You're safe. You're amongst other people. Yeah, you w- will create the illusion that there are other people in the... Wow, this fucking guard's yeah, dark. Yeah, no, this is this, so dark. Um, this went off in a really weird direction. No, uh, but, how about, but that's okay. We're, 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 we're in a dark place together right now. Uh, I prefer to think of it uh, in terms of we are speaking to people in the future still. Like, hello, four months and a week later when people are listening to podcasts again. I hope you're doing well. I hope that maybe everything isn't on fire. Are you enjoying parks? Are those on fire? Did those make it out the other side? Have they been overrun by nuclear scorpions? Because <laughs> I think that's next. Nuclear scorpions are, are on tap. What happened with movie theaters? Did we get to keep those or are they gone by now? The poor McElroy brothers. <laughs> McElroy brothers were just like, eh, it'd be funny if we were in a if we were in a uh, a trolls movie. We'll make a whole podcast about it. It'll be a, a gag. We'll like force it. And now the McElroy brothers will be in the end of the movie theater industry. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, Trolls Two uh, was released to box office, or sorry, released directly to streaming, uh, and made crazy amount of money, yeah. like three times the theatrical run of the original Trolls. So. Movie theaters possibly not existing anymore, and it's it's because right like or when you watch a movie at home, you're paying twenty dollars for however many people are in the the room yeah. at the time, and you only get it for twenty four hours. So I wonder how many parents have. Oh God, they're because they're getting hit with the kids that are like trolls too, trolls too, and they have to put it on a second and third yeah, and fourth that's, time. That's the catch, isn't yeah. it? Right, like kids are used to. A movie at home, I can watch at home all the time. They're used to the Netflix model, the streaming, like, I can watch it, I'm at home. You can't really explain to a kid why you can't watch Trolls 2 now, because I have to pay another $20. That makes no sense. No, yeah. I can understand that. They've gotten bored partway through the first syllable of that sentence. So, like, over the course of this, studios are just going to have you over a barrel on kids' movies. We're going to be like, oh, I'm sorry, does your kid want to watch Toy Story 3 again? Better buckle up for the money train, motherfucker. Yeah, I, I think your that... Your kid's saying, Woody, Woody, over and over again, time to pay the fucking piper. <laughs> I think I think that, like, reports of movie theater death are... Um overblown at this point i feel i let's see this happen with a movie that isn't aimed at children and we'll see what happens there oh yeah um, i feel like even they try to like release like like black widow on this shit like it'll it won't work like they still they still movie theaters will survive i i, I find it hard to get excited to rent a movie at home or to watch a movie. And I have a nice TV and a nice sound bar or whatever. I still like, I'm not going to get hyped to go see, you know, a Marvel movie or a fast and furious movie in my living room. I'm not going to get hype about that. No. Then again, it's kind of hard to get hype about anything right now. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to counter you 
on this on getting hype while watching stuff at home. Blanket fort, motherfucker. We discovered how to bring a movie theater into your own one-bedroom apartment. You get some blankets, you build a fort, you put them around the TV. Suddenly you're in a cinema. I mean, that's very cute, but I'm an adult. Did that move and it made Tootsie into an experience. Seems like an odd selection of movie for that. But all right. Uh, It's hard to get excited for anything these days. I kind of find... um... I find that quarantine is kind of the great equalizer or the great uh, cancelizer. Like this, this, this is how we're at right now. During this quarantine, Dan, you and I are business partners. Yes, we started a business together. And I don't know about you, but my response, like my kind of my reaction when we finished that, was like, "Huh, cool, neat, yeah, yeah." I'm so numb to everything. <laughs> We started a fucking business, and we're just like, eh. I'm learning piano, and it has the reaction of, like, that's cool. Which, like, like uh, six months ago, if I started learning an instrument, I would be, like, erecting billboards in the middle of Philadelphia. Like, like you would see them as you're going down the highway. It would be like, Dan is learning on <laughs> Composite Mohegan Sun instrument. Sorry, I couldn't win that contract. <laughs> like, and now I'm just like, that's cool. Burma shave. Yeah. Um. Uh. Shit. The the, the 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 thing is though, right? It's like you have your unique and weird and interesting hobby has to compete with everyone else's unique and weird, uh, interesting hobby, right? Yeah. At at this point, so you can't like if you're making a sourdough starter now, this late in the game. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off out of here. No one gives a shit about your sourdough starter. We've already moved the fuck on. Everybody's baked their sourdough. We're making pancakes. We're making muffins. I've got these delightful little ranch crackers. Taste exactly like Triscuits. So you can't even start on that shit. Yeah. Right? So you come up and say, yeah, my uh, my quarantine hobby is, uh, you know, the, I made a microgreen garden. Someone else has got to be like, well, guess what? I'm raising snakes and milking them for venom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to make antidotes for all the bites I've got from raising snakes. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like, ooh, I learned how to juggle during the quarantine. And somebody's like, that's cool. I surgically implanted swords in my arms like Baraka <laughs> from Mortal Kombat. So I can do this. <laughs> like, everyone's going to have, like, competing quarantine things. <laughs> and it's going to be fucking crazy. Like, oh, who's gonna who's gonna be the first person who goes to the hospital because they tried to embed a microchip into their wrist during uh during quarantine? Uh, I feel like some libertarian in West Virginia has probably done that by now, right? Honestly, oh, I feel absolutely. like that happens once a like once a month somewhere before all this happened. Libertarians fucking love microchips. The point is, like, people have dumb, stupid, shitty hobbies that keep them entertained. So let's talk about the Andy Griffith Show on our podcast. This podcast, the only thing that breaks up the time for me. I don't measure time by events or life milestones. I measure it by time between podcasts. Is it content time now? (laughs) No, I go back to the coffin. Me and my siblings have like started like doing like weekly checkups and things. And I had the instinct to Twitch stream it because my brain is that broken. I was like, we're all communicating on a regular basis. I wonder if this could be content for the masses. That's literally how the McElroy brothers got started. More like, or less. 
oh no, I reverse engineered the McElroy brothers. All right, so let's let's talk about some fucking Andy Griffith show. We're going to try to get through two episodes today, because uh, one of them is nice. It exists. It is an yeah. episode of television. My girlfriend loves the Andy Griffith show. Like, we watch it kind of in like a weird... Like, like, sort of a weird heckle and jekyll type deal. And even she, during the episode, was like, Oh my god, something happened! Uh, so the episode we're talking about uh, is Season 3, Episode 12, The Bed Jacket. Yeah. Airs December 17th, 1962. Written by Harvey Bullock and R. Alan Safian. Directed by Flip Phone on his belt buckle, Bob Sweeney. Owns an antique revolver that he swears was used in the Revolutionary War, Bob Sweeney. And here's the one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Andy tries to get a one-of-a-kind bed jacket that Aunt B wants for her birthday. Oh my god, I fell asleep in that That's sentence. So dumb and pointless. There <laughs> is there are some interesting like directorial flourishes and the music. Wait, basically, this episode could be watched with no dialogue whatsoever, and you would miss nothing. It is is direction, and it is great music, end of things. I mean, that's actually something they do, which I do find kind of interesting, is there's a a store in this episode, and uh, part of the plot revolves around the store, and every time someone goes into the store, all dialogue cuts out, and we just kind of watch stuff happen through the window. It's it's like the big flourish of the episode, and normally you would do the most interesting part of the episode during that, but instead they do like minor shopkeeping negotiations. It's when you find out that a thing is out of stock or how much a thing costs. So it's yeah. they put the mo the least interesting thing in during the most interesting cinematic flourish. It's dumb. Dan, I had to Google what a bed jacket was. Did you know what a bed jacket was before we started this? Uh, no, I didn't. And we also had to Google it and do some like Google image search to see how you fucking wear one. Basically, it's like... It's it's a half a robe. It's like a, a top part of a robe that goes over your shoulders for when you're like laying in bed. Yeah. But you're like... But you're like... Well, when you're like sitting up in bed, so your feet are covered, but maybe your shoulders get cold. So it's just like a little like... Like a little cape, kind of? A little cape, like, poncho, half robe. Like the, if, the, the, you, if you wore it without anything underneath, it would cover your chest, your shoulders, and nothing else. So it would basically make you look like the bad guy in a 1990s anime. The thing that Anna wears in Frozen over her shoulders is kind of like that. Yeah, but, it's a stupid but, garment that I do not respect. It's it's pointless and silly and dumb. Yeah. But here's the thing, right? The thing that I saw on Google Images was like almost entirely chaste and sexless. Sexless. It basically looked like it was made out of like vent like crane game plushies. Yeah. Like there's nothing. The one in this episode, the one that Aunt B wants so badly, it was it was kind of sexy, right? I, I'm not making this up. It was like, like a little bit lacier, a little bit more see-through, a little bit more lingerie-esque than any of the things that I saw when I Googled this. It was lingerie. It would cover sort of your tits. If, yeah. if a campy wore it, it would kind of cover that. So I feel like, but again, it's supposed to be worn over like a nightshirt. So it's like a cape. She wants a, she wants a sleep cape, which 
I sort of understand. I would like more occasions to wear a cape in my day-to-day life. Not me. I, I don't think you should sleep in a cape. I feel like that's just asking to get tangled up. Throttled by their own cape in, the, in their sleep. In the 1960s, that was like one of the top four causes of death. Now, you give me a long top bed hat with like a little ball on the end. Like, there. now we're in fucking business, son. Gonna light up a candle and curse a ghost. The thing you don't understand is that about 200 people choked on little sleep hats per year. <laughs> President Kennedy had to go on television and say, my fellow Americans, you need to stop wearing delightful cartoon garments when you sleep. It's killing all of you. True leadership in a pandemic, honestly. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with it. I, I know we keep joking about how Aunt B is like a sex fiend, but bed jacket is a lot more uh underwearish than most you did see that at one point the shopkeeper does offer to sell her lingerie as an alternative to the bed jacket yeah let's let's just run through this one real quick it's dumb let's go through it uh we open up uh on the lake andy and opie are fishing uh as per usual opie's wearing we get the return of opie's amazing fringe jacket God, I want that. I shit you not. I looked up prices for that jacket on Amazon. That that leather fringe jacket is beautiful. I, um, I feel like I could rock the shit out of that. I think jacket. you could pull it off. Yeah, I'm. I was doubtful earlier. I'm back. I, I I think I could rock that jacket. Also, the last time we did see it, it was not on Ron Howard. It was on Clint Howard. Oh yeah, we also get Clint Howard. Not in this episode, but in the next one. That's fucking Clint Howard. Okay, holy shit. Clint Howard is the sticky boy. Okay. The mayor comes up to them. The mayor is also fishing. Mayor wears a tie to go fishing, which I thought was kind of a nice touch. <laughs> Listen, uh, mayoring does not take a day off. Like, someone could come up and have a formal complaint for him, and he has to be ready to fucking mayor at the drop of a goddamn hat. I bet he has paperwork in his back pocket for, like, a land dispute. I'm... I like this mayor. I'm on board. I like with this. the mayor. I like the mayor. He a is lot. a dutiful, effective servant of the people who is looking out for his interests. He hasn't done one abuse of power through this entire thing. Is he a little bit of a dick? Sure. But sir, so are a lot of great, effective politicians. You know, he's, he's a dick in the same way that like the EPA guy from Ghostbusters is a dick. Yeah. You know? He's an asshole, but he's also not wrong. His greatest crime is making our boys not have as much fun. Yeah, no, he's know? basically the dean from Animal House, who didn't didn't really do anything wrong, just kind of impeded the plot. He's Skylar from Breaking Bad. Like, yeah, he's great, but also every time he shows up, he's like slowing down the action. Anyway, the mayor comes up and he's complaining about how bad the fishing is. And this is where we learn that Andy apparently just has a magic fishing rod uh, that they call Eagle Eye Annie. uh, (laughs) Which which is a detail that I'm logging away for my Andy Griffith sci-fi reboot. The fact that he has a magic fishing rod. I feel like there's stuff we could do there. Um, Uh, I do like that this episode does 100% operate on the concept that magic is real. Like, Andy <laughs> says, uh, hey, this fishing rod is magic. And Opie is like, that fishing rod is magic. I believe that because I'm a child. And the mayor comes up and he's like, what you got there? Some sort of magic fishing rod? And Andy's like, yeah. And the mayor's like, cool. Let's have 
very serious exchanges of power and money and favors based off of our mutual understanding that this fishing rod is magic. You have to believe that this fishing rod is magic. Otherwise, nothing else will make sense. The mayor jeopardizes his, basically, his life for this magic fishing rod that he thinks will get him all the fish. And Andy demonstrates that by catching a fish immediately after the mayor has been talking about how bad the fishing is. Which only really rubs it in his face because the mayor is like, man, like the mayor's not being mean about it. He's just like, man, this fucking sucks. This lake is empty. I can't get any fish to bite. Andy like tosses one in and Opie's like, oh, hell yeah. Andy, you caught a fish immediately with no effort whatsoever. It really just jumped out of there. Almost like the mayor is a bitch. But but just to demonstrate that it's not the mayor sucking shit, the mayor picks up the magic fishing rod and he also catches a fish immediately with the fishing rod. Yeah. And so he tr- the mayor tries to buy the fishing rod off of Andy for $20, offers $25. They do like a hem and a hawn and Andy's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Uh, there is a funny bit where the mayor's like walking off and Opie says, should we go, Pa? And Andy's like... I'm going to leave as soon as I get one more bite. Yeah. And then we'll just got to get one more bite. And then the mayor yells in the background, 2750. Now we can go. Uh, it's a good bit. This is another one of those things where uh, the pacing has changed so much. Most sitcoms would end there. There's the joke. Good. Cut to the next scene. But instead, this keeps going. They got to explain where we're going next. We have to leave because we have to go shopping for Aunt B's birthday. I don't want to leave, Pa, but there will be cake. Okay, I'll leave for the cake, Pa, which is not as funny as the 2750. Ah! It's like any scene that Opie is in has to go like through half a foot of mud. Like, like he has to explain to Opie in some folksy bullshit Oh, well, Opie, here's why we gotta go to the next scene. And Opie's like, I don't think next scenes are good. I think we should stay in this scene. And then Andy (laughs) has to, like, trick him into allowing the plot to move forward. Uh, He does that by saying, like, let's go get cake. So the next scene, next scene, we're at home and they're hanging up the fishing rods and they're talking about how great the fishing rods are. Another how good it is to fish. They they're hanging up the rods. They talk about fishing. There's like this really long bit about Aunt B. How old is she? She doesn't want to tell you. Oh, maybe she's like 21. That's old or so fucking stupid. Was Whatever. Ever, Move on. Like, was that ever that much of a fucking thing? Really? That like, I feel like women lying about their age has been completely overblown. I think so, too. Uh, well, you know what? We say this, but we're also two men in our 30s. I'm sure if we were, you know, 55-year-old women, we would feel differently about this. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, remember, the woman that plays Aunt B is one of, like, five women over the age of 50 that they let work in Hollywood. So. That's true. Or, like, anywhere near a camera. Like, a woman over 35 would start to get near a moving camera, and someone from the would drop out of the sky to drag them away. It's just like someone would appear from craft services with like a spray bottle. It's like, no, get no, out, get out of here, get out, get out. <laughs> you know that you know that you've got too many laugh lines to be in front of a camera. Get out of here, go, go. You know that we're barely acknowledging that you exist. God, want to vote and then you get everything. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so the next scene, 
everybody went into town together. Opie and Andy are going to go shopping for Ampy's birthday. And Ampy's just there? She's just kind of wandering around Main Street? Yeah, they do like a big whole thing where Ampy is like, I don't want a big fancy uh, to do about my birthday. I want something low key and small, um, which is what everybody says about their birthday, but they are lying. And like Andy is the first, like, is the kind of person that actually takes that at face value. Like you tell Andy, like, I really don't want a surprise party. And Andy's like, sure, that's why you told me that. Andy starts teasing her about like, ooh, I'm going to get you something nice. And she's like, oh, you. They go into just like some fucking store. Like a general store? It's not Weaver's general store, but it's just like a a store where whatever this dude has, you can buy. It's it's like a weird like knickknack and it's it's, it's, it's like a one-man flea market. It's like it would say up on the marquee above the stop like, some shit. (laughs) Buy Brad's stuff. It, like, the marquee would just be like, hey, you guys want to check this out? Like, that's just all it says. You know what, those, those are the best kinds of fucking stores, though. Especially if you're in a small town, like, hitting up a store that's just got, like, weird ran- It's You know what it is? It's like when you go to a CVS and there's that weird random seasonal aisle that's constantly changing and it's just full of garbage that's fun to look through. It's that, but, like, 1,200 square feet. You can still find those of, um, like, in, like, Philly if you, like, wander around where it's, like, like some woman who's, like, 58 who just has a store that is my stuff and there's no sort of order or reason to it it's like like is it a dress shop there's dresses is it a knickknack shop there's knickknacks also we're selling pots and pans also sometimes there's watches don't worry about it we have (laughs) how are we in business i don't know but it's working Downtown, there's a lot of electronic stores that are just like a collection of random musical equipment, some speakers, and then like ukuleles and shit. Is in, and they're not even like pawn shops. They're like no, they'll, they'll be like like Daryl's Electronics or whatever. There's a mannequin in the window sporting like some gold chains, but you're an electronic store. Yeah, why? Why? Yeah. No, it's the best kind of store where it's just a collection of bullshit that I got my hands on somehow. Don't worry about how I got my hands on it. Yeah. Do you want this? Shouldn't there be a serial number here? I just see like some scratches. Don't worry about it. Do not worry about it. It has been a really long time since I've been in a store where everything has very clearly been stolen. Uh, Those are the best stores where like... Like, everybody's a little twitchy, and someone's, like, kind of trying to make sure you're not a cop. I can think of, like, 12 just in a 10-mile radius of us right now. Yeah. Like, I can give you street corners right yeah. now to go for these. And and here's the thing, right? Like, the when those things are closing down now, because, like, the area they're in is becoming our, quote-unquote, fashion district, I'm just like, yeah, that's gentrification. But also... Maybe it's good that you closed down the fucking the, the, the hot item shop. Yeah. I don't know. Like, um. yeah, for those not in Philly, um, our jewelry district is getting closed down to make like a big new super gentrified malls and all that bullshit. Tragic, a, a crucial loss of our culture. Also closing down basically the the criminal epicenter of Philadelphia. Because so much stolen shit was moving to that part of town. Like, millions of dollars of stuff that had got lost off trucks. 
So, so anyway, Aunt B is out on the, uh, street and she looks in, oh, I guess, I guess this is like a version of what you just described. This woman's like, no, it's, it's, it's like a woman's clothing store. It's like, uh, she, she walks at a woman's clothing store and they've got this very nightgownish, this bed jacket that we are debating the sexiness of. And it's in the window. Yeah. And the music swells and, like 15 violins ejaculate simultaneously. It goes on a fucking journey. A swan is born and then dies. Like, like it's a whole like production. It's great. It's I mean, it's great, but also we fucking get it. She wants this thing. Yeah. She goes inside, she talks about the dress. We see all of this through the window. The direction is fine, whatever. Back at the other weird store, Opie and Andy are buying stuff. Uh, they settle on buying her two dozen glass jars and a salt and pepper shaker. Oh, we should talk about this, because this gift sucks absolute ass. <laughs> it's such a it's terrible so fucking bad. gift. So they are deciding what to buy Ampy at the last fucking second, and Opie's kind of on it. He's like, I think I might get her salt and pepper shakers, an, a fine gift for anybody, or baseball cap. Honestly, not a terrible gift. Um, and Andy is like, oh. For a seven-year-old? Fine, yeah. You're crushing it. For a seven-year-old, the fact that he's even considering salt and pepper shakers? Fucking incredible. This kid is on another gift-giving level for a child. I wouldn't have considered getting anything, anybody anything that isn't a toy. He's crushing it, and Andy's like, ha, child, you don't know anything about giving gifts. And then a guy is just like, hey, Andy, I just found a bunch of shitty jars in the back. He specifies, these, I'm going to give them to you at a discount because these jars are scratched and dented to hell. Do you want them? And Andy's like, hell yeah. She can use those for pickling i think for pickling because 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 we all know how good ampy's pickles are that's never that's never come up there's one thing that ampy is synonymous with it's preserves so yeah he's like yeah fucking give me a bunch of fucking jars that's it that's my entire gift and and the guy's like do you want to get her perfume or chocolate it is her birthday after all and andy's like ah you're right Make it two dozen. Let's live this up. So, Dan, because my weird quarantine hobby has become fermentation, I'm making, like, sauerkraut and kimchi and stuff, I recently did purchase two dozen brand new mason jars, glass mason jars. Uh, And that's, like, 18 bucks. Yeah. Like, it's it's not much. No. It would be one thing, like, I feel like... And I, w- I imagine that they went in the 60s when they were way more common, it would be way cheaper as well. Insultingly cheap. Like, it would be one thing if, like, mason jars were your second gift. Awesome. This is a really useful, nice second thing after the main showcase gift. Oh, you got me a book and also mason jars. I love it. it, it it's one of those weird things that, like men do when buying uh gifts for women where it's just like here is a thing that you can use to do stuff for yeah. me it, <laughs> it's, it's the buying a vacuum cleaner it's, you know it's the, thing of- it's the peloton it's the fucking peloton 
<laughs> it's like except not because pelotons are expensive this is like buying a bike tire yeah exactly it's nope that doesn't work for the analogy anyway either no it's going. too shitty there's no comparable <laughs> thing marty because it's too shitty it's garbage <laughs> it's, it's like like i get saying like oh i want something practical for my birthday Get me something I can't get when I say something practical. Like, get me something that I I need to get that I don't want to go to the expense of buying. And he's like, too practical. Too fucking practical. It's like buying your wife a vacuum cleaner, but the vacuum cleaner you buy is actually kind of shittier than the vacuum cleaner she already has. It's <laughs> and she and there's nothing wrong with the vacuum cleaner she has anyway. <laughs> and also, she doesn't want a fucking vacuum cleaner. It's like buying your wife motor oil for the car for their birthday, but also somehow it's used. <laughs> it's so shitty. It's such it's a so stupid gift. He's such a dipshit. It's fantastic. Anyway, uh, he buys the stupid shitty gift. Andy walks out uh, and sees Aunt B in front of the store. And she really hints about this this jacket. She's like, oh, I was just looking in the window here. This store has such nice things. Like like this thing right here that I'm jerking my head towards. Yeah. You know, this this beautiful jacket. And Andy's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Police officer who's responsible for solving crimes. A man whose powers of observation the entire city places their trust in on a regular basis? Like a look at this. Like a look at this. I'm talking about wanting things and jerking my head towards an object. You can you can follow this roadmap I'm laying out. If someone had a gun to Aunt B's back and she was trying to like hint something, Andy would just be like, "Oh, it's really nice how that man's giving you this a small little back rub." <laughs> yeah. Remember, he's not supposed to be the dumb one. No, he's. It's not that he's. He's just an insensitive clod, and I don't know if he's supposed to be. I don't know if that's what the episode is going for, or if this is just how dudes were, so it seeped into the show. Anyway, here's what Andy does notice in the window of the clothing shop. Uh, his boss. Yeah. He sees the mayor, and he's like, oh shit, it's the mayor. I just remembered I'm supposed to be doing my job yeah. that, the, that the Mayberry City taxes pay for. Oh. Uh, Alright, I'm gonna have to go to the jail and go do my job real quick. I know. I love that she's like, look at this thing I want to buy, and he's like, oh shit, I'm bad at my job. Bye. The mayor comes out and talks to Aunt B for a minute. His wife has been out of town at her sister's for a while, so he's getting her a present. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, huh, you know, there are some nice things here that anyone would like for a present. Look at this bed jacket, for example. She's trying to do this thing where she plants a, a seed in the mayor's brain and hopes that he'll mention it to Andy. Aunt B is like... Definitely better at this fucking thing than this. This is very out of character. We know that Aunt B's a fucking mastermind. She can do better than this. This plan makes no sense because the mayor does not know that it's her birthday. Like the course <laughs> That's true. The course of events that happen are literally the only way that her plan could unfold. There's no That's true. That be like, hey, you know what your aunt just told me? That there's an awesome sweater cape in that fucking <laughs> Uh, store. You should go buy it to her. You should go buy it for her. Like, oh, he's not going to be like, hey, co-worker, you know what I'm really thinking about in this moment? 90s. Do you want to talk <laughs> about how awesome of gifts those are for women? Person that I work with? And here's the thing. Like, even if he did know, 
They're not friends. The Mayor Stoner and Aunt B have no relationship. The mayor and Andy don't like each other. Under what circumstances would this come up? Like, the mayor's not going to be, you know, I was just thinking about the friends and family of this guy I don't like. You cannot go up to your coworker and talk to them about pajamas. It's weird. I've been written up for it once in 2014. It's it's heavily frowned upon. People don't like to talk about night garments at work. So she goes, I like that. So he goes, the mayor goes over to the jail, picks up Andy's notes on the garbage report or whatever. It's like a sanitation report, which I know that we talk about how Andy has like an overreach of power, but it legitimately is not Andy's job to report on the sanitation of Mayberry. This does call into question if Andy is doing reports on the sanitation of the town, what is the mayor fucking doing? I, which I think has to be a conversation the mayor is happening of like, what was the previous mayor's job that the sheriff was doing basic administration? The answer is nothing being adorable and end of stuff. There's, is there a Department of Mayberry Water and Power? I, it, the Department of, May, of Mayberry Water and Power is just like one sleepy old man at a desk whose idea of water and power is like a river and lightning storms. Like, it's just old Gus who does not totally understand what's going on. They haggle, they they do a bit about the report and the quality of the papers or whatever. The uh, mayor, like, lightly suggests that he wishes that Andy had a neater presentation. And Andy is just like, fuck you. Like, Andy's yeah. like, like, that request you just did, it's bullshit. It's, it's a stupid thing for to request me to do. I hate it. Which I is unnecessary, but also... I hope to one day have an amount of power where I can show that amount of open disdain for my boss. Like that is kind of the ambition more than anything else where you can just have enough power. You can just be like, fuck you. That thing you just said, it was an idiot thing and I'm not doing it. Uh, If you go into a lot of retail stores right now, you'll see that you will see for probably the, for the first time in our lives, just retail employees, just being openly outright disdainful to the, customers that treat them like fucking garbage. I have one. I fucking have one. Um, I had to go to CVS to pick up a prescription uh, and we were like checking out and there is self-checkout and there was a guy there whose job it was to just like point people to the self-checkouts to make sure they just fucking went to him and this old guy came up and he was not wearing his mask. It was like down at his chin and the guy was just like you're gonna want to go to that one and then there was a person at like another counter that he went to help and the guy was just like, oh, you tell me to stand here and then you walk away. And the guy just went, I'm helping this person. Mind your own business. Uh, and I fucking died. It was good. So good. Great. Great. Like retail employees should be like openly hostile at this point. Because there's, there's very little reason for them to be out on, on these front lines for the money they're making. I am of the opinion that for the entire duration of this quarantine, retail employees should be able to openly strike whoever they want as long as it's with an open hand. Like, as yeah. long as the fist is not clenched, a retail employee should be able to do whatever they want to you. I mean, I I worked retail for five years, and if you gave me the option between that and regular health care benefits... 
Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd probably go with the healthcare benefits, but I'd have to think about it. It would be for a while. It would be tough. I would have to go on like a long walk and skip stones by a river. I'd have to sit on a bench and think about that all night, like Will Smith in Men in Black. If if they passed legislation and it was the uh the retail slap act of 2020 where every once a month a retail worker could just open hand slap a customer i would probably go back to i would go back to my hometown get a job at the old like movie theater i used to work at just for like two months and just slap two people and then leave here's 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 where where aunt b's plan sucks so much shit uh the mayor gets real fucking familiar with Andy all of a sudden. This guy that he does not like, he asks a very personal favor. Yeah. He's like, oh shit, I'm late for a meeting. Hey, Andy, I bought my wife this thing, but I just heard about this great bed jacket. Can you do me a favor and go and get that bed jacket for me? Just exchange it, exchange the gift and get that bed jacket. And Aunt B's like, sure, apparently I have no idea what boundaries or my job is. Let's do this. Yeah, it- Andy's like, fine. Like, he is openly like, fuck you. This is stupid, but sure. Back back at the street, Aunt B is talking to Clara Edwards, and she's talking about this fucking bed jacket. Oh my god, she's just going on and on about this thing. Like, it will give her the power of a living god. Like, she's like, if I have this bed jacket, I will ascend to pure energy. She talks about this bed jacket like it will lead her to the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. Like, she talks about it like it will restore her to youth. Like like there was there was my life. There was Aunt B before the bed jacket and there will be Aunt B after the bed jacket. This is the fulcrum of my existence on earth. So she goes to show Clara the bed jacket in the window, but what she sees is Andy in the store getting the bed jacket uh for the mayor. And then she just melts. She's like, oh, this will be a birthday I will never forget. <laughs> she. This is, I just realized how much this episode is a bunch of drunk ass Don Draper motherfuckers in the 1960s writing what they think women want for their birthdays. I. What do these men buy their mothers? What have these men gotten their mothers for their birthdays and for Christmas for the past five years? I want to know, Harvey Bullock. They were, your Harvey poor, Bullock, suffering mother. Harvey Bullock has bought his mother stockings every single year as long as he has had money. But also, how fucking, like, Aunt B basically says, this will be my best birthday ever because I'm getting a bed jacket. And then for any any normal human being, the next sentence would be, oh god. Oh my god. This will be the best birthday ever because I got a bed jacket. And then just like falls to her knees like, oh god, Clara. Oh, how old am I? How many years have I been? I've had 60 60 something birthdays. Oh, Clara. And this is the best one, Clara? Clara! I have Clara in my life. Clara. Oh god. What about the one after after I got married? This doesn't top that. Oh god. Oh my god. Oh my god. He proposed on my birthday. <laughs> we went to Spain. How is the bed jacket better, Clara? And then just Clara has to drag a limp Aunt B off the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know what's going to happen next. It, we're at home. They bring Aunt B into the living room, and Opie gives her the salt and pepper shakers. She opens up the fucking glass jars, and she's like, oh, oh. She and fucking dies inside. Like, the pain is palpable through the screen. Again, outside of the context of everything that has happened in this episode with the bed jacket, honestly, like, a terrible gift. Just a horrible fucking gift. <laughs> even be like this is for pickling he's just like here are some jars i saw these and i thought of you because i don't think very highly of you as a human being they are also empty inside (laughs) (laughs) and can be made into whatever i need them to be at any given moment you both have a thin layer of dust on them at all times um yeah so she is devastated and like runs up the uh runs up the stairs and the best part is andy and opie do not for a fucking moment consider that it was a bad gift (laughs) not a second like they're both like do you think she's upset about getting older and andy's like that must be it i don't know (laughs) she opened my box and got sad nonsensical sequence of events on my end I see no correlation here. Man, mysteries. Women. Women, you can't understand them. Uh, You can't draw conclusions based off of the way they proceed in life. Boy, it's a good thing that I don't have to have investigation skills or ask questions for my job. Oh, man, I'm just not good at that thing. (laughs) It's a good thing I had the part of my brain that draws conclusions about the the results of my actions surgically removed two years ago. He got a response vasectomy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then, then Clara just rolls in and Clara knocks on the fucking door and she's like, hi, Andy, do you want to hear the plot of this episode? (laughs) And, just, and Andy's like, hell yeah, I'm completely lost. Like, hey, it's me, Clara, a.k.a. Wikipedia. Do you want a quick update on what the shit is going on? <laughs> and the best part is, Andy does not acknowledge that she's here in any way. He opens the door, Clara's like, hi, Andy, bed jacket. And then as she's talking, Andy starts like, slowly looking up the stairs to where Aunt B is. <laughs> and I just wanted Clara to be like, okay, I guess I'll go home and fuck myself. <laughs> he basically closes the door on her as, as she's talking. Yeah, she, she'll she just be like, I guess I'll go to hell where you want me to go, Andy. <laughs> Goodbye. Like, I've known you for years. You can at least say Hello. Like, at no point is he just like, hey, my my aunt's friend, maybe you can go talk to her. She's pretty upset. Yeah. Nope, he's just, bye. Yeah. Andy, you're out of Andy Griffith's line of sight now, so you might as well not exist. <laughs> so so Andy goes back into town. He's like, shit, I got to go do something real quick. Oh, stay here. Uh, we do the whole silent film thing at the closing shop again, and we see Andy being rejected, and this is where we learn that that was the only bed jacket they had. Mm. She could order it, but it would take about three or four weeks to get there. She does offer to sell him lingerie as an alternative. It's great. And Andy, yeah. But, and Andy's uh, like, no, I can't do that. Andy has all the lingerie she'll ever need. Yeah. She has, like, uh, a fucking bat cave of lingerie. Andy drives over to the mayor's house and, like, I guess throws pebbles at his window or something, because... <laughs> 
<laughs> you know he just yelled mayor for 15 minutes and he woke up. Because the mayor's like, what the fuck are you doing? It just, in media res cuts to the mayor going, what the fuck are you doing? What are you, why are you here? And Andy's just like, hey. Like, he did not throw pebbles. He probably laid on the horn. Uh, he does get the mayor to come downstairs and talk to him because he says it's about a voter. He explains the jacket situation and the mayor's like, all right. Okay, motherfucker. Seems very important to you. I got you over a goddamn barrel now. Hell yeah, new mayor. I'll give you that, that jacket of mine for that fucking fishing rod. Yeah. Remember the fishing rod? That Remember we talked about the whole thing? fishing rod that two yeah. adults are making serious life decisions based on? That me- that fishing rod that has plus two to fishing? Like, the thing cuts away, and you're supposed to, like, go, is Andy gonna sell the fishing? Of course he That's sells, he the, sells fucking the fucking fishing rod. He's not a psychopath. This is not questioned for a second. Yeah. Other TV shows would have Andy think about it, or this would be the crux of the episode. It'd be like, is he or isn't he gonna do it? But no, it's not even in doubt for a second. This- uh, and the way they they show that is by like him returning to the living room with a box in hand, and he walks past, and you very distinctly see the spot where the fishing rods were earlier. We had a whole scene of them being hung up, I- and Opie's is there, and Andy's is not. They're mounted on the wall like they're fucking like ceremonial swords. <laughs> like he t- he unsheathes the fishing rod. He takes it down and is like, once this fishing rod has been withdrawn, it can only be put back when it has tasted blood. He picks it up and he looks at it and he sees his reflection like he's going off to fight in the Chinese army in place of his father. (laughs) His ancestors whisper to him as he removes the fishing rod. Who is that girl I see? Her name is my Aunt B. It's good. He he, he, he goes back, he fucking sells it. Aunt B comes in, and Andy's like, hey, I'm sorry about running off like that. And Aunt B says, no, I'm sorry. What I did was wrong. And here, Andy's a fucking liar. He pretends like he already had this gift the whole time, right? He's like, oh, you ran off so fast, you couldn't get present number three. Here's present number three. Unethical. Another, he gaslights Aunt B a little bit because he's like, oh, Aunt B, this thing you were upset about, it was your fault, but don't worry about it. Here's your present that I super didn't forget. Guess what? This was, I was not at fault for this at all. Enjoy. Yeah. Oh, just just a little, a nice little moment of being a piece of shit on it. <laughs> like, I like that they just squeezed one in there. He could have been like... Just- just a Susan of shittiness. Yeah, he could. He they could have just done a thing of him being like, "I'm sorry, I'm important to you. Here's a present." But instead, he's just like, "Oh, it's not your fault that you're a dumb bitch. Here you go. Enjoy your present." And so, uh, Opie comes in and he's like, "Hey, Pa, are we gonna go fishing?" And then he sees that like there's no fishing rod there, and Andy explains, you know, that uh, he sold the rod. Opie says, "You would. You said you were never gonna sell the rod." And Andy says his monologue is something like this. In fact, I think I've got it right here from the ultra-reliable Mayberry Wiki. Uh, Andy says, no, not quite. I said I kept it because it gave me so much enjoyment. And I wouldn't sell it for money. And I didn't sell it for money. I just kind of swapped it for a different kind of enjoyment. So old Eagle Eye Annie here is doing what she always did before. Even right now, she's giving me pleasure. 
Real heartwarming pleasure. And he looks over his shoulder at Aunt B, who is very much enjoying and is raving about this. And Opie's response should have been, What the fuck are you talking about, Dad? Are you? Because tr- he has... <laughs> He has no context for any of this. He doesn't know what just went down. So he doesn't know why he's ta- why his dad is talking about getting pleasure from selling this rod. <laughs> like, if I was open, he, like, did you sell it for sex? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what? What are you fucking talking about? Like, and you know the writers of this episode, Sepak, like, Bullock Sepak, who was like, ah, oh, nailed it. That's gonna be... That's going to be on the fucking cover of a newspaper. And meanwhile, like, it's just like, that was nothing. That was nothing. That was the ramblings of a fucking lunatic. Then there's a stinger. And the last scene pisses me off a little bit because it means that ultimately Andy sacrificed nothing. Yeah. Because what finally winds up happening is the mayor drives back up and he's like, hey, Andy, you got to fucking help me. My wife heard that I got her a bed jacket, but now I don't have a bed jacket, and she thinks I gave it to another woman. You gotta call her and straighten things out. You gotta explain that I sold it to you. Uh, and Andy's like, sure, I'll do that if you give me my fishing rod back. <laughs> my magic fishing rod. It's, okay, so literally, and it is 100% what I thought was going to happen, but literally any other TV show, the big thing would be like, the mayor would come up and be like, the fishing rod doesn't work for me. And Andy would find out that the power of fishing was inside of him the entire time. And instead, the mayor is, instead, the mayor is like, hey, my wife thinks I I cheated on her while she was out of town for two months. And she will beat me. He does say he's worried about her getting violent. So, uh, you know, Maude, she's violent. She's crazy. She does not trust me. Andy, my marriage is about to end. And my wife will probably beat the shit out of me. Though so much infinitely darker than they, I would have thought they could have taken it. Like, you couldn't do a twist that dark today. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and then Andy, so Andy's like, yeah, give me my fucking fishing rod back. Um, so Andy has both of them. He's sacrificed nothing. If anything, he's gained because he didn't have to actually spend money on the night jacket. And uh, the mayor is like, okay, so I'm going to give you the fishing rod. You are going to call my wife right now. And Andy's like, yeah, right now. He's like, Right away. Like, as soon as I leave, you're going to call her. And he's like, yeah, yeah, totally. You're going to call her right now. Yes, right now. And then the mayor leaves and Andy sits down at the table. He's like, let's enjoy some cake. <laughs> and, I mean, which Ampy had to cook. I mean, Aunt, Andy's not going to fucking like make that call till he's got the fishing rod in hand. Yeah. So he's going to let the mayor sweat because Andy's a piece of shit. Ratings, Dan? Uh, Andy meter, it sucked it it wasn't good it was not a very good episode such a bad episode it was so fucking boring nothing happened it was one of those episodes where it was the first half of an episode they did the entire second half of an episode of television in literally the last like 20 seconds yeah it it was all set up it was all set up and a payoff for nothing for nothing the the last 20 seconds are a full episode of television and the first and like the entire episode was the first 10 minutes it's always great when we're so anxious about the show becoming good and then it sucks uh 
Just really, it, it makes me feel better about the long-term prospects of this podcast. Andy Meter, Andy Meter, 1.5. Yeah. Like I'll give it, I'll give it a two. It wasn't an, an abysmal train wreck, but it was boring as shit. And I was bored the entire time. The Bar- Barney meter, like, there's nothing really disgusting. Uh, I have to give it, like, a half a Barney, one po- like, 0.5 Barney, just for that little shitty bit of gaslighting that Andy does there. Yeah. Just right at the end. Otherwise, this would have been a clean slate. Um, Boy, you know what? There's also no Barney in this episode. And I gotta say, as much as we shit talk Barney Fife and Don Knotts, this show sucks yeah, without that's him. That's so bad. This show is unwatchable if he's not on it. I'm going to go higher than you. I'm going to say it's a six. Because Andy uses the destruction of a man's marriage and the prospect of his wife beating him to get his fishing rod back. He uses a guy getting the shit kicked out of him by his wife as leverage in a property negotiation. It's pretty bad. It's not not good. It was like a domestic abuse thing. This show has already demonstrated numerous times that uh, it does not care about domestic abuse. Yeah. It's a thing we're numb to, but yeah, six. It's a six. So here's the episode that we're doing today. Uh, it is season three, episode 13. Originally airs December 24th, 1962. Nice Christmas present. It's called The Bank Job. And it was written by Jim Fritzel and Everett Greenbaum. And it was directed by... She wore an itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, yellow polka dot Bob Sweeney. <laughs> Banned from almost every Civil War museum on the East Coast, Bob Sweeney. And here is the one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Barney sets out to prove that the Mayberry Bank can be easily robbed because of lax security me- measures. Gomer Pyle makes his debut, and I was like, ah, fuck, we're gonna get Gomer Pyle in this, but Gomer Pyle doesn't do anything Gomer, in this. Gomer Pyle gets two laugh lines that are not jokes. They are sentences uh, presenting simple information. Yeah, it's it's really weird how this episode kind of force feeds you, Gomer, like it's going to be a thing. Like, it's just like, hey, we got this dude and you're going to fucking love him. Here are a couple of lines that he has and the laugh track is going to lose their the shit. The laugh track, he basically says, uh, oh, a door is hot. And everyone's like, I'm going to burn down the city that this laugh track was recorded in. (laughs) Like, the laugh track is just like, I'm going to go home and impregnate my wife. That line was so fucking funny. I want new life to be in a world where that joke was told. And it was just like him presenting basic information. Gomer Pyle, we gotta talk eventually about what the fuck the appeal is, because... I don't... I I don't know what the fuck it is. Okay, so, as far as I can tell, I watched, like, ten minutes of Gomer Pyle UMSC, where he joins the Marines. As far as I can tell, Gomer Pyle is mentally handicapped. He's he's absolutely comedy gump. He's Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah. Gomer Pyle has the mind of a child, a little bit. And I think that's the joke of him, so I don't know what we're going to do with that guy. I I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That seems like it's we're going to get into real bleak waters. 
so that'll this will be fun. It's the beginning of a very difficult time in recording this podcast. Uh, let's just go ahead and, and start it. We open up on the jail. Barney is talking about a crime wave. He's reading the newspaper and he's talking about a crime wave that happened in Marshall County. Uh, he's just like, when will people ever learn? People just don't take things seriously. People don't care about security and any crook could just come through. I'm surprised that Mayberry hasn't been robbed a million times, which, yeah, Barney is correct. We've talked about this all the time. Yeah, this is, okay, so this is, Let's yeah. Let, let's just get this out of the way, like to begin with. Uh, Barney's a hundred percent right this entire episode. It's like, like the most right that Barney has ever been in the history of the show, and it is the most that people come down on him. Infuriating, yeah. infuriating that this is the time when people get pissed off at Barney. The time when he's completely correct, and it is the one where everyone is like, "Man." Fuck you, Barney. You piece of shit. We're done with you. Like, it is the closest he gets to getting fired, and it's the one where he's right. Like, Barney's sitting down, he's reading the newspaper, and he's talking about how Mayberry is ripe to get robbed. He's basically saying a crime wave could rip through here. He he points out a couple of examples. He says, a guy left his keys in the car last night. And Andy says, well, that's because his keys are stuck in the car. So... Andy's explanation for why a guy's car was able to be robbed last night is because it can be robbed every night. Yeah, all the time. You can always rob that yeah. car. Yeah. And oh, Barney says, oh, the light on the uh, ice house was out last night. You could rob that. And Andy said, yeah, I know. That's why the night watchman was asleep. It keeps him awake. And Barney's like, you're proving my point. And then the laugh line happens, but he is right. So Barney says a line of, uh, I'm telling you, Chief, this this town is ripe for the picking. And Andy is like, why'd you call me Chief? You only call me Chief when, hey, what did you do last night? Barney's like, you know, just hung out. He's like, did you go to the movies? What was playing last night? And, uh, oh, my God, last night, Glenn Ford in G-Men was playing. Uh, you watched a cop movie, so you're all... Uh, hopped up on police energy. This this drove me absolutely nuts. Okay, so there's a couple fucking things insane about Glenn Ford is not it's in the movie G Men. G Men, it's James Cagney. It's James Cagney. Which was would would be one thing if it was a brief mention <laughs> that they say Glenn Ford was in G Men. Wait, they mention it like six times. It's a recurring bit. But Glenn Ford was a G-Man and he's not in the movie. He's not in that movie. And they don't. It's not a bit. They're not fucking it up as a joke. There are literally multiple references to the wrong guy being in a movie. And, and it was not a recent movie either. It was not a G-Man came out in 1938. It is. It would be like... 25 years old when this episode was made it is crazy and it was a popular movie it's, it's like it's, it's like if i was on a tv show and i was like oh you know uh oceans 11 starring meryl streep <laughs> also also glenn ford from what i've looked up 
was not a super popular actor. So he was he was one of a dozen Western actors at the time. Yeah, you know, which makes like crazier. Uh, probably the biggest thing he was ever in was the original Three Ten to Yuma. Yeah, uh, he's good in that. It's insane. It's crazy. And all right, the weird part: you've talked a billion times about how this show takes place in the 1960s, but it's supposed to feel like the Dust Bowl. Yeah. Except this, they're talking about. A movie Barney saw last week. A movie that came out in 1935. So they have traveled back in time. Alternatively, alternatively, they made up a movie. They made up a movie. They made a fake movie starring Glenn Ford that happened to have the same title as a movie starring James Cagney that came out 25 years before. And they just figured no one would think about that. I don't know. It it's it's not that weird for like a movie from 1938 to be playing in a movie theater in 1962 because they didn't have home videos, so a lot of movies would play through That's, you know on a weird yeah, repertoire. Yeah. But like, I mean, no, they. It's they also not fake. that common. Yeah, they did make up a fake fucking movie. There's no way the writers and I know we lean on this a lot. The writers were drunk. They were so drunk. The writers were so drunk. <laughs> but imagine getting through a writer's room session for a thing that's going to be on TV and being like, who was in that movie G-Men? Was it Glenn Ford? Nobody had the intern look it up. I'm sure it's that. I'm sure it's absolutely I'm sure it's Cut it, it, give it to the actors, have them say it out loud. If you put a thing on TV now, it has to go through 200 layers of fact-checking. An executive has to review it. A lawyer has to review it. Like They just went by some guy's hunch. Who's Who is in that movie? I'm pretty confident it was this wrong answer. But someone did that all the way to it's, final it's, screening. It's, it would it would be like it would be like if we talked about let that great Bill Pullman movie Footloose. Yeah, it's that level of popularity too. Like if if I was just insistent that Bill Pullman was the lead in Footloose, and everyone was like, "It's Kevin Bacon, dude. That's a pretty common knowledge." No, nope. It was Bill Pullman. Fuck you. Pay me money to put that in a television show that will be seen in the entire country. And you know that there was just a thing where like Don Knotts pulled over and was like, "Listen, I'm." pretty sure it was james cagney who was in g-men and the writer who wrote it was just like slight left camera's like no it's glenn ford i'm confident about that <laughs> it's like it's so weird it's, it's such a weird fucking detail to get wrong yeah, to get wrong but to get wrong again this is not a small thing they make like 200 Glenn Ford was in G-Men jokes. On to the next thing. Barney wants to do police work. Like He wants to go point out all the security flaws in the city. Mm -hmm. When Andy's like, we're not doing any of that. We're not doing any police work at our job as the police. Barney's so fucking pissed. Yeah, the plan for today is that you're going to go to the drugstore. You're going to pick up some shit. You're going to get us egg salad sandwiches. We're going to sit here and we're going to eat them. And then we're going to fuck off and go home. Uh, that's, that's, that's the day he outlines Great use of the Mayberry taxpayers' money. Yeah, 100%. The next scene, Barney walks into a bank and just starts, like, looking around. And again, Barney is right. 
Barney walks into the bank. Uh, the security guard is asleep. He just walks behind the counter and nobody questions it. He sees that the cash drawer is open. The cash drawer is just a drawer like you've got in your fucking kitchen. Fucking overflowing with cash. Just like stuffed with cash. Like if you wanted to put more money into it, you would have to like jam your elbow down. Just comic, like some Scrooge McDuck shit. Speaking of Scrooge McDuck shit, the vault is wide open and spilling out with cash. The vault is vomiting cash. The the security guard is an old, old man who is very asleep. Barney just like walks around and stews. And he walks up to the security guard and he's like, stick him up. This is a robbery. Which is a terrible idea because like, could get you shot. It's an old man with a gun. Probably don't startle him. Um, yeah. But the old man just wakes up and he's like, Oh, hey, Barney. How's it going? This old man is delightful. His name is Asa, and he basically has the mind of a child. Um, and it's funny this time. It's not funny with, with uh, Gomer It's Pye. not going to be funny. This time it's funny. It's not going to be in the future. Barney like says, like, I'm doing a security check. I want to see your preparedness for a robbery. Uh, Asa's like, okay, cool. Help me stand up. I have bad knees. Uh, Barney helps him stand up. Um, this scene is genuinely fucking hilarious because Barney is like, what's your, what's your preparedness for a 10, 12? And Asa says like a 10, 12. I heard someone say that. And Barney's like, was it someone planning a robbery? And he's just like, Glenn Ford in the movie G- movie G-Men, <laughs> that movie that Glenn Ford was in. And they really hit on this a lot. He goes through Asa's whole deal. Asa has a broken revolver. And Barney, he pulls out his gun and it just falls apart immediately. And Asa says, "I've been, it's been doing that for the last two years. I've been meaning to get new screws." Barney's like, "There's a hardware store across the street." Then, a, a genuinely great bit. Barney points out that Asa's bullets are so old that they are green with mold. And B- Barney pulls out his bullet from his pocket. He's like, "This is what a bullet is supposed to look like. Yeah. You're supposed to shine the bullet." And they like compare bullets. Like, "Oh, everyone talks about how nice your bullet is, Barney." <laughs> it's it's so weird. And then Andy enters, and um, Barney starts freaking out, um, just kind of like like yelling the entire plot of the situation so far. There's a lot of things where Barney just yells the plot of the situation so far. Um, Andy tells him to chill out. He basically says, like, take the day off. You're really stressed out. Go home. He says, go to the drugstore. You know what they have right now? It's called a policeman special. No, it's called a businessman special. It's called a businessman special. It's at the diner. It's at the diner, not the drugstore. It is a hollowed out tomato stuffed with avocado and raisins, which sounds fucking disgusting. (laughs) That sounds so horrible that sounds disgusting yeah. what the fuck that is something that you would feed me if you wanted to torture me for information that is a thing i would eat on double dare oh to get this trip to to hawaii you need to eat through a tomato stuffed with avocado and raisins i am honestly throwing up a little bit in my mouth oh motherfucker we're gonna have to do a baking mayberry about this aren't we if the patreon subscribers demand it subscribe to our patreon to torture us I should I should point out that I like neither tomato nor avocado. Um, I think tomatoes are bullshit uh, vegetables. I think they ruin sandwiches. Well, they're fruit, so I think they are watery idiot fruits that ruin sandwiches. Uh, they they're a lie, and they contribute nothing to meals. 
so Barney's fucking pissed, and rightfully so. He's yelling about how they aren't taking this seriously. Uh, the like bank clerk goes and gets the bank manager, who is the same bank manager we've seen before. Yeah. A little bit of continuity there. And he Barney says he's going to yell at him straight from the buttonhole, which great line what? that has not yeah. aged well. Like, I'm going to yell at you straight from the buttonhole. Gonna yell at me straight from the butt and hole? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's no joke we can do about it. That's not wildly immature. It's just a very bad lie. The bank manager does another Glenn Ford and G-Man reference, and then they go outside. Barney basically just repeats the plot so far. This is a, a very plot repetition heavy episode. Andy said that they have to go do a favor for Miss Stacy uh, and bring in her laundry since she was out of town. Barney's like, that's not our fucking job. We're cops. What are you doing? But I do like Andy's counterpoint of we are servants of the people. We do the shit they need us to do. Fucking that's community policing. That's great. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Preventing crime by ensuring a healthy, functional community. Uh, So they go to Miss Stacy's house. Uh, and they start pulling down, Barney goes out and he starts pulling down laundry off of the line. And this is where we get Leon, ladies and gentlemen. Leon! The sticky little boy. He is disgusting. <laughs> I want him so far away from me. <laughs> the show is like, look at this cute little boy. He's in a cowboy costume and he's eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and it's all over his face. And I'm like, Cool. If he gets within a within ten feet of me, I'm going to start kicking. There's so many weird things about Leon, starting with the fact that he is a four year old Clint Howard. We've seen Leon once before. Mm-hmm. He was at like an event before, and he was dressed as a cowboy. And Dan and I went on and on about how much he kicks ass. Yeah. But here's this four year old boy that just appears in the backyard of an empty house and speaks to a grown man. Doesn't speak actually. He doesn't talk. He just eats so, a sandwich at a grown man. He's he's just eating a sandwich menacingly, essentially. Yeah. And he does. He offers to share some of the sandwich because he's such a sticky, sticky boy. <laughs> he's exactly kind of enough. He's very <laughs> sticky and disgusting. <laughs> I hate. This He's just, the viscosity of him oozes from the television. But an important question is, where the fuck is where Leon's parents? Where the fuck are Leon's parents? Where the living shit are Leon's parents? I'm... Why is this, for... this happens twice in the episode. This child just wanders through the town eating a sandwich. And let's be clear, like we've talked about how Opie is basically his run of the town. This is a four-year-old this is a toddler he does not understand what cars are or why he should stay away from him and he's just like roaming around the town this sticky child that you could pick up throw at the side of a building and he would stay there he would he would if you threw him out a window he would fall down and like one of those little sticky hands like first his front side then his back side it would like it would slide down the window all that like sound happened the entire time you could hang this child upside down like from your roof and it would solve your fly problem (laughs) you could put him in the back of the car like one of those garfields with a suction cup he could climb up the side of a building like fucking spider-man because he's so coated in goo and sugar do you have too much cat hair on your jacket (laughs) rub this child's (laughs) face on it (laughs) now you've got cat hair and jelly on your jacket good job 
<laughs> you fucking idiot. Why did you try to do this with that? Why did you listen to Marty and rub a small sticky child on your jacket? What are you doing? <laughs> Why? Why would this you do this? It's a terrible idea that you listened to. Tweet at Ron Howard. Can I rub my jacket on your brother's face? Tweet at Ron Howard. Clean my jacket, idiot. Tweet at Clint Howard. Tweet at Clint. Oh my shit! No, actually, so we had a thing a while back of tweet at Ron Howard on the understanding that we would never get on his radar. Tweet at Clint Howard. We can get on that motherfucker's radar. Oh my god! Yeah, we can but, totally get Clint yeah, Howard on the show. No, he's like a MAGA chud. We don't uh-huh. want Clint Howard on the show. I get the feeling that like relations are strained between Ron and Clint. Tweet at Clint Howard and tell him to fuck himself and that he looks sticky as a kid. He looks gross and I hate it. So anyway, uh, Barney just repeats the situation to Leon. He's this child. Uh, he's just like, don't become a cop, Leon. Cops are laundry boys in this town. Boy, I wish I could see them. Boy, I would. I wonder what they would do if that bank got robbed. I bet they would just, oh, what if this bank got robbed? And then he gets an idea. And he stares at the women's clothing. And guess what? We've got a Barney Fife drag show. Yeah, it's a cross-dressing episode. Remember we used to have Barney Fife stealth missions? And now those have been replaced by Barney Fife cross-dressing missions? <laughs> so here's the thing. So he gets the idea. He starts stealing some of the clothes. And then he goes back to the bank dressed in women's clothing. So here's the thing, Dan. It's the same fucking outfit that he wore the last time he dressed as a woman. Uh, back in the bookie barber when he was trying to uh, break up an illegal gambling operation at the barbershop. It's the same outfit. And that time, that time we didn't question it. We were like, all right, whatever. The outfit is Barney just has women's clothing and maybe it's his mom's or whatever. We didn't, we didn't ask about it. But now that we know that the clothing has an origin story, now that we know where the clothes came from, I have to go back and wonder where did he get it the first time? Did he steal this woman's clothes? He went to Miss Stacy and he was like, listen, we have the same body type. <laughs> I need your dress. Was the reason St- Miss Stacy had to go out of town for like emergency scoliosis treatment? I- <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? You- so another great behind the scenes detail is that they have a labeled thing of, they have a dress and a hat that is labeled as, Barney Fife drag. Yeah. They don't want to fucking refit him for it. It's so weird. So so anyway, Barney rolls in dressed as a woman. He pretends to be the replacement cleaning lady. The only reason this fails is that Barney is so fucking conspicuous and bad at his shit. Anyone who is like remotely chill could have pulled this off immediately because he just pretty much just rolls in is just like, oh, I'm the cleaning lady. I'm the new cleaning lady. Okay, so it takes the teller a minute to figure out what's going on. So only because he's being so fucking obvious. He comes up with a with a robbery strategy that leverages none of the things he pointed out as problems. (laughs) (laughs) So he points out. There's an asleep security guard. There's a bunch of money piled around. It's easy to get to. No one's paying attention. And he's like, I'll do a disguise that requires everyone to pay attention to me. Literally, what he could have done based off of his assessment is put on a mustache, uh, walk in, grab a thing of money, and briskly walk out. He could have just literally sprinted in, grabbed money, and sprinted back out. 
He could have just done a smashing grab. Yeah. He could have just busted in, grabbed a fistful of money, said, suck my dick, and run out, and it would have proved his point better. Like, he only proved is you're not paying enough attention to the cleaning lady. You're not paying enough attention to the help. Your labor relations aren't very good. The teller figures out that it's Barney, and she goes and gets the manager, and it's like, yo, check this shit out. Barney didn't even take off his pants. He's wearing his uniform under the dress. And she sees his pant leg fall down. And the bank teller's like, all right, let's have some fun. Uh, and he comes up behind the Barney. And I think he also yells, this is a robbery. Or something. No, he says, uh, he says, stop thief. And oh, that's in right. a honestly beautiful moment of direction, because a lot of other shows would be like a big, whoa, it's like, a half second shot of Barney falling back, accidentally grabbing the safe door and locking himself in. Like it's so quick that you barely have a second to register what's happened before everyone is screaming. Couple of things I want to point out. So now, now Barney is locked in the safe and we think, Oh shit, this is going to be the rest of the episode is how is Barney going to get out of the safe? First thing I want to point out is that the safe has a back door. We know this, from the episode where the safe or was getting robbed, the bank was getting robbed, and Andy came into the back door to catch the thief. And you know what else we know from that episode? Is that the bank has been robbed before! Yeah! The bank has been <laughs> robbed so many times! This has, this has come up before! Yeah! They've had so many... Like, the whole episode operates on the logic of, like, well, criminals don't really come here. It's not really a problem. Criminals come here all the fucking time. At least twice a they season. They roll in at least twice, at least like ten times a season. They roll in with t-shirts that say Team Criminal, and they're like, hey, I'm in town to do some fucking crimes. This is going to be so much fun. Andy and Barney are constantly fending off criminals. Mayberry is, like, number four on the Zagat guide of, like, best crime cities. Yeah. Like, best cities to go if you're a beagle boy. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's right below Duckburg. Yeah, if you're a Dick Tracy villain, this is the equivalent of doing a nice trip to Nantucket. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, I want to get out of town for a little bit. Let's go to Mayberry and do a light robbery. Which actually happens in this episode. Mm. That that's actually fucking happens. Okay, so they're trying to get Barney out of the safe because it's not set to open again until eight a.m. Yeah, Go the safes are established that they're like, holy shit, they Barney will suffocate to death in there. They send Asa out to go get a, a, a blowtorch, basically, and Gomer Pyle comes back uh, and he blowtorches through the safe, and Gomer's like, "Oh boy, it's kind of hard to cut through this. It's so thick. It's way thicker than the cans we cut through at the gas station." And everyone laughs at this information. The studio uh, audience are combusting. Like you're hearing cracks and pops as people burst into the sky and just and explode like phoenixes. Like all he did was say that a, a, a bank door is thicker than a tin can. It's I, not like, a, even a joke. It's not. It's barely a line. You can so tell that they were trying to set this character up. I think you you also can't really hear him because the blowtorch is making such noise. Yeah, I think the joke. I did think it did think it was very weird that they used like what was clearly an actual fucking torch. Yeah. Um, uh, you could basically the joke was he talk weird because he's like 
this is harder than cutting through a car battery or whatever the fuck he says. Like, yeah, he's basic. He's just goofy. He, goofy, the fucking Disney character. No, he talks like he's the dancing little person in Twin Peaks. Uh, this is the time to cut through the bank drawer. It's dumb. It's a dumb character, and I'm so excited to hate his fucking guts. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Barney kicks out the bed. There's this great scene. Great scene. There's this woman, like, in a salon, just in getting her hair, like, blown out, just in, under a hairdryer. And then all of a sudden, Barney emerges from the other side of the wall because he kicked out the fucking wall. He kicks out the wall of the safe, which, by the way, Barney fucking Fife, a man whose uh, legs are about the width of a beer bottle. Who weighs a can, buck twenty-nine soaking wet. Just with his feet, just kicks through the wall comes out the other side which that is a giant fucking like safety issue safety issue just (laughs) everything inside you have shitty ass walls is there just zero insulation also is the vault only a door there there are four sides to a vault the thing about a vault is that it's 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 covered on all around it's literally only a door it is literally the vault is a door and everything else are walls you can punch through which isn't most places like it's just a steel door and then drywall everywhere else i am in a residential home and i could not punch my way through any of these walls and most places i have ever been in my life i could not punch through any of the walls and he can kick through one absentmindedly. So, so Barney crawls out of the rubble, brushes himself off. The woman in the hairdresser is is just like, hi, Barney. You work in a case? Because remember, he's also still dressed as a woman at this point. So Barney Fife in drag comes out of the rubble and he's like, police business and walks away it's really funny he strips down because he's wearing his uniform on the other side underneath yells at a man who is looking at him funny i like to think that barney awakens something in this man i like the whole joke is like huh, he's in drag i like to think that this guy was like i learned something about myself today like that's kind of my hope from this I mean, Barney just leaves those clothes on the sidewalk. I am sure that dude picked them up. Miss Stacy is going to be rip shit. She's going to be like, oh, you stole my clothes? Cool. Was it for a good reason? No. Uh, At least did you bring them back? Oh, were they? The sidewalk? Fuck yourself. So Barney comes back in the bank, uh, and he just fucking yells. Andy yells at him. Barney yells back. And Barney's just yelling about how fucking terrible the bank is. Recaps all of the safety issues. Meanwhile, there's this guy in the background, very clearly listening, looking directly at the camera, almost doing like a Looney Tunes kind of a side, like, eh, he should not be saying this, should he, Doc? I love, and we have talked about this before, but I love that criminals in the Andy Griffith Show universe have such a distinct fashion sense that you can spot them from a mile away. And it really feels like they're all just from, like, Crime Island. Like, <laughs> like they don't feel like people who do crime. They feel like like crime goblins. It's so fun. It's stupid. <laughs> So Barney storms out, and this guy from Crime Island, this escape from Crime Island, uh, goes outside to his partner, 
And his partner's like, hey, did you do the counterfeit check or whatever that we were going to do? And the partner's like, I got a better idea. Uh, (laughs) A guy just narrated beat for beat in perfect clarity the ways that this place is super easy to rob. And then his friend is like, cool, are we going to take advantage of those during a robbery? And the guy's like, no. Um, yeah yeah literally again they use literally zero of this none of the information like okay there's an asleep guard easily accessible cash and most importantly you can get to the bank vault through the hair salon next door and the guy is just like so a stick-up job yes stick-up job we just like go in with a gun just go in with a gun and that's exactly what they do. The next day, the bank manager comes in, and boom, there's one of the dudes. He's got a stocking over his face, and he's got a gun. A, and of course, it's a terrible cover because you can 100% see all of his face through that stock. Yeah. I could pick that motherfucker out of a lineup through that stocking. And, and this dude who is like a foot taller than Barney and 50 pounds bigger than Barney. But still, the bank manager's like, oh, Barney, you're messing with me. <gasps> you're not Barney. What? Fiddle in the parks. You can do so without even thinking about it. <laughs> you know what's yeah. happening here. Uh, like, we don't we don't need to fucking go over this. Um, the, the bank is coming the- into work. She sees the robber, assumes it's Barney, gets super fucking pissed. The most pissed anyone's been at Barney so far um, in the show. And runs over to Andy and is like, guess who you're firing today? Barney fucking Fife. He's pointing a gun at my manager. And Andy's like, yeah, it's time to do this. <laughs> like, All right, fine. Andy was going over to that bank to finally fucking fire Barney. After all this time. Like, he had, because he thought that Barney was like robbing a place. Yeah, no, and uh, they like, Bust in. The robbery is actually going pretty smooth. Like, the guy is basically like, hey, put your hands against the wall, count to 100, I'll leave you alive. Yeah, he, he's, he's got the manager and he's got, now he's got Asa uh, up against this the wall. Asa so rolls in to be useless. Yeah, Asa rolls in to be useless. He gets his gun taken from him, uh, his useless broken gun. Again, the only reason this works is that these robberies are, these robbers are fucking shitty. Andy just walks in, opens the door, and just grabs the gun. He's like, hey, Barney, give me that fucking gun. The virtue of this show is like, because again, they're really getting into the Andy doesn't carry a gun aspect of things uh, this season. It doesn't really make a cogent argument for gun control. Just everyone's a dipshit. So Andy doesn't have to carry a gun. Like, it's not like making arguments of like, well, you don't carry a gun. You get this, this, and this benefit. And that's why you don't have to carry a gun. And it's just like, you don't have to carry a gun because everyone's fucking stupid. Because you you can just take a gun from somebody like nothing. Yeah. Like sneezing. Yeah. <laughs> People with guns don't fire them at you. You can just walk up and say like, this is my gun now. And they're like, ah rats so yeah andy steals that gun but the robber pulls the other gun away from him the robber pulls ace's gun that he doesn't know is broken again the only reason this works is that andy has knowledge that the robber does not and that's when the teller looks out the window and sees barney just walking down the street and realizes oh no it's not barney and they get out of it basically by um andy takes the robber's gun the robber uh, points the gun at Asa, tries to point it at them. The gun breaks in his hand. 
Andy gives the robber's gun back to this old, old man. Old, old man who at any given point has like a 12% understanding of what's going on. Literally the worst person you could have given that gun to. And it's just like, here, old, old man, point this gun at this man. Like, get real close, too, so he can definitely hit you. Just get, get, definitely get within arm's reach of him. Also, Uh, old, old man who definitely has trouble with motor control. Point this loaded gun at a human being. Uh, you definitely don't understand what's going on. You do not have good control of your faculties. I'm confident that you won't shoot this guy in the stomach accidentally. And then he does it. He just hands a gun and then he goes outside. Like, I'll check the getaway car. For what? Like, this guy's not getting away. But he gets the getaway car and Barney is riding this, riding up the getaway driver for a ticket. Yeah. Uh, basically. The getaway driver sees Andy and he starts to run. Barney pulls his gun out. Remember, Barney still thinks that he's arresting this guy for a traffic violation. And he just pulled a gun and was ready Ready to just open fire. A bullet. Put lead in this guy's back. Barney's like, I knew I was right to write this guy up. I'm going to throw the book at him. I'm going to get him for parking illegally, not having license. Then Andy's like, also for bank robbery. Also for bank robbery. What? Nah, 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 nah. Oh, yeah, we don't really have to do the ends of these fucking episodes anymore. You know where they're going with this. Yeah, really, we can just save, like, end, end, end. They arrest the guys. Barney's super proud of themselves. They go in the newspaper. One great thing is that the headline of the... One of the great things is that the headline is Bank Robbery Foiled Here, which is an insane headline for anything. By Barney Fike, they say, and uh, I think I think it also says Barney Fike nips it in the bud. There is a nip. Oh in the bud shit! Right. I didn't even see that. I hate that catchphrase. Um, yeah, and Barney yells at them for getting his name wrong, and then Asa comes in. Asa is incompetent. Applause break. But um, woo. End of thing. Ratings for this episode. Is this episode good? <sighs> I don't know if it was fun to watch it so much as it was, for me, it was fun being angry at someone that wasn't Barney. It was engaging. I was engaged with it. Like, I was, I think it, I'm not going to say entertained, but I cared about the outcome. I wasn't bored watching it, which is a pretty big compliment I, for this TV show. Coming off of the fucking bed jacket, it was a masterpiece. But I think without that context, I think if I had watched it December 24th, 1962, I would have been like, where the fuck are my Christmas presents? I mean, you know? uh, if you watched it December 4th, 1962, at this point, I'm pretty sure they were just like moving pictures on a screen. Because <laughs> that's the only explanation for why any of this worked, where they're just like, look, honey, there is a camera. It's like a little moving. movie. like they keep having to be like billy billy stop trying to reach into the magic box you'll anger the little people inside dan do you think that television was just constantly people ducking a train that was coming at them from the from screen i didn't think this before watching the andy griffith show but now i'm confident that these people got past the train ducking phase in like 1973 (laughs) <laughs> it's the only explanation that people are this fucking stupid this episode is fine it's a four it's a five it's a five yeah I'll, I'll give it a five and then barney meter this is such a hard one to barney meter because barney barney's a barney's good Bar- yeah. 
yeah, Barney, Barney's good at this. Um, he doesn't do anything wrong other than the like weird cross-dressing thing and the ha 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 guy in a dress. What? I don't know. It's um, I mean, it has a bad moral. Is there a fucking moral to this episode? There's never a moral to any. That's episode. kind of been the uh. problem lately. Is like. All the Andy Griffith season one and season two episodes, the moral was like, like, hit your kids. It was like, <laughs> the moral was very explicitly something terrible. And this is like, so what's the moral here? Season three is like, ah, morals. Who's got time for that shit? Um, here's just a sequence of events that could totally happen. I don't know. I guess, I guess the basic premise is, don't worry about anything. Else. Yeah, the moral because cr- criminals are the dumb. moral of the story is chill the fuck out. <laughs> the moral the moral of the story is be cool, everybody chill. Let's just have a good time. Do they ever? Do they repair the fucking hole no. in the wall of the vault? Listen, the moral of the story for this episode is just a Jimmy Buffett song. It's, it's all it is. <laughs> Ain't no problems. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, no, exactly. The moral for the story is a cheeseburger in paradise. So I don't fucking know. It's a. I'm just gonna be safe and put it at a five. It's probably terrible, yeah. but I two. I'm gonna say yeah. a two. Um, and that's it. That's it for this episode. As always, on the internet, we are in various places. Facebook.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Twitter, we are at Break Mayberry. On Instagram, we are Breaking Mayberry. On Twitter, I am at Schneid Remarks. I'm on Twitter at The Luds. And uh, the music you heard earlier was recorded by uh, Sleep Talkie. That is Max Ludwig, who is on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Sleep Talkie. Watch his streams. He, he's crushing. Um, he has been described as human shit posting by our fans. Uh, if you want to support us with your money dollars, patreon.com slash breaking Mayberry. We just put up a new episode, a uh, new bonus episode where we talked about Cayman Rider, which rules. If you want to support us without your money dollars, you always appreciate a nice rating and review on the podcatcher of. Hey, that'd choice. be really cool. I really appreciate that. It would be super chill if you did. You know, that. What, I, you know, what would help me get through this quarantine, Marty. Ratings and a reviews? nice reading and review would be fucking nice. Ratings and reviews. You know, yeah. as I stare up at the abyss that is my life under quarantine, a rating and review I think would really make my week. Make me wake yeah. up. Like it would it would give me reason to get yeah. out of bed in the morning. No. All right, we're getting really sad with this. We should stop now. Listen, I'm on the fucking edge, listeners. If you don't do a rating and review, I don't know what's going to happen. All right? I'm at the end of my fucking rope here. I need that one of those ratings and reviews. Is that too much? You're editing that the fuck out. We'll see you all then at the fishing hole. Do 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 do